When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com video podcast. My name is Chris Ballas. With me, Doug Skeen, Michigan's former All-Big Ten offensive lineman. Also played for the New England Patriots, five-time Big Ten champion. The list goes on and on and on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think he's retired somewhere down in the uh, – what, down south? Not yet, huh? No, no, Ballas, not yet. I'm here okay. in Michigan. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Still here in Michigan. So anyway, uh, just got back from Newark, New Jersey. Man, that's an interesting state. Did you, uh, you ever been to Newark? No, no, never, yeah. never traveled through there. Never really yeah. been to New Jersey. Been to the Jersey Shore once. Uh, yeah. Never traveled through Newark or anything like that, though. Uh, you haven't missed anything. I'll be honest. We stayed. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, with all due respect to the people, great people of the state of New Jersey, it was. Uh, we stayed right across from the state penitentiary, uh, near the airport, by the way. And uh, yeah, so uh, it was. Uh, it was interesting. But you know what? Rutgers is in the Big Ten, whether we like it or not. And the sacrificial lamb for Michigan didn't look like that way in the first half, though. Skeen and looked yeah. to me like. Michigan kind of expected after that first series that, okay, these guys are going to go away. Then you get a punt block and then it's game on. No, it was it clearly uh, it, ballas. It looked like uh, Michigan had shown up ho-hum. It's Rutgers. Uh, you know, we've just come off of a string of uh, high intensity games and it, Michigan looked like a team that was just there to, you know, go through the motions and, uh, and, and get on with the, with the, get on with their lives. Uh, clearly Rutgers showed up with everything on the line. The Saturday night looked like the weather was nice and the stadium was full and everybody's having fun and Rutgers was ready. Their, their intensity level was, was much higher than Michigan's and they're making plays. And so that was obvious. Obviously we know how things turned out when Michigan settled down and started playing real football again. Um, but it just felt like the, the emotion on the intensity side was all Rutgers in the first half. Yeah, with the exception of the first drive when Michigan drove right down and scored and uh, really had a chance skiing to put this game away early if they can connect on the deep ball. And you know what? I know Andrew Anthony got his hands on it, but as Jim Harbaugh told his young quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, he said, when you're that wide open, just put it on him, man. You don't need yeah. to lead him. You know what? Uh, put it on him and yeah. uh, make the play. Two plays later. Uh, you get the punt block, and it's a completely different game. But they got to start start connecting on those, man. That has been uh, really the one downside of this offense. They're moving the ball. They're extremely efficient. But I love that. <laughs> Shut up and get a chicken sandwich. Exactly. Uh, they, and uh, but um, you know what? You got to start making the plays. Those plays. So so Ballas, the the one thing we I think we've identified in the last month watching Michigan, some of the red red zone struggles inside the ten yard line struggles is. Who's the threat? Who's the big threat on the edge of this offense? Who's the guy on the wide receiver set that is the go-to player that's just the playmaker? I think Anthony can absolutely be that guy. And so, I, you know, I can understand the frustration there from Coach Harbaugh talking about, hey, when you got a guy that wide open, put it out there and let him just go go get the football. Uh, as evidenced later in, down in our, in our inside the 10-yard line struggles again, trying to get two yards. Uh, you know, I understand exactly what Coach Harbaugh was doing there and what we were trying to, to impose on that defense wasn't working so great. But in a lot of situations, it's like, well, if you got a big if you got a big target wide receiver down inside of there, where's where's that person? And it just seems like that continues to be Michigan's down in the deep red zone offense. They're restricted in and who can they go to through the air when a defense is gonna get down six inches off the ground? and submarine your offensive line and you can't have a hard time or you have a hard time getting a yard or two, there's got to be an option out there and, and it still hasn't developed. So who's that going to be? Who's, who's it need to be? It needs to be someone because that's going to need, it's going to have to happen here, Ballas, at some point. Yeah. I'm going to say this. Uh, Jim Harbaugh was not apologetic that it took four, four carries on two separate occasions to score. And he said, that's how we wanted to do it. We got in and I kind yeah. of agreed with him, man. I'll be honest. Yeah. You know what? I'm all right. If Listen, you've got, 
Yeah, I'm all, I'm all right with it. I understand exactly what he was doing, but the execution wasn't what he wanted. I guarantee no, that. No, 100%. And these guys were much better in the second half, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, somebody just mentioned Roman Wilson did not play. A lot of guys didn't play skiing, and I think a lot of guys could have and would have played if this had been a bigger game. So you go in there with that mentality that, hey, we got five or four or five starters out. Jalen Harrell was another one of them, Roman Wilson. Uh, Jamon Green traveled but did not play. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. But uh, it, it maybe you know what, Brant, it may be a little bit with Roman Wilson, but he is not that big receiver. He's that little slot guy and that uh, that you go to and uh, is, is going to maybe break some big, big plays out, out of the backfield or, or on, the, on those uh, bubble screens or whatever. But yeah. uh, he's not that big receiver. So um, and they have other guys. Ronnie Bell, I got to tell you, Ronnie Bell is the king of making outstanding catches that don't count. And uh, <laughs> yeah. he had another one yesterday. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, he had one where it looked like he was interfered with. You still got to hang on to the ball. And there are too many drops. Yeah. And we'll yeah, talk about gotta- that again. I mean, they aren't helping their young quarterback. No, they're not. They're not helping their young quarterback. Um, and I'll tell you what, the other thing that really doesn't help get your young quarterback is getting him absolutely drilled uh, after he releases the football. And that happened way too many times. And a few yeah. of them were pretty powerful impacts. And you could see uh, JJ grimacing like, oh, wow, that one hurt. Right. You could see that on the television copy that that he got he got licked pretty doggone hard back in there because we weren't clean up front in our pass protection. We weren't hanging out to guys as long as we needed to. And so he's getting hit, and that causes things to speed up, changes his mental uh, situation back there. But still, he's delivering the football. And when he does, you have to catch the football, Ballas. You have to catch the football. And so things weren't clean there Saturday night. Obviously, the score ended up being lopsided. We all know that. But there were several things that needed to be cleaned up. Specifically, I think that uh, Trevor Keegan at left guard, he did not have his greatest game. He got out of position on one of those one of those. Uh, uh, Big shots on on JJ. Uh, Olu at center and Keegan have got the three technique locked up. And you see, you see Keegan looking into his left, checking on his left tackle, and he leaves. And at the same time, uh, Olu leaves, and the guy is free to go and absolutely drill JJ when he let the ball go. That you can't do those things, Ballas. No. You just gotta you gotta clean that stuff up and get on the same page. We're way too far in the season to let that kind of thing happen. Brad, we'll answer your question in a second, but you especially can't have that happen when your backup quarterback, Cade McNamara, looks like he's going to be out for the year at this point. Now, Davis Warren uh, looked pretty good out there. I like him. He had some nice moves with his feet as well, but he doesn't have a lot of experience. He does, but he's not the guy that you want to go into Columbus with, you know what, in a couple weeks. Exactly. So so on that play you were talking about, any twists or anything to it, or was that that just something? No, there were no twists to that. And So So if you you go back and watch that, you Mm -hmm. go back and watch it. So you you got a three-tech technique either over the two over the guard or the three technique and 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 the protection olu at center comes left so the back has blitz protection right and there was no blitzes coming off that edge there were two rushers and three blockers which is exactly what you want you got two on one and it is the guard's job if if i'm the left guard and that defender comes into my right shoulder i've got my right hand up and i if i'm feeling that with my right hand i can look over and check and see how my tackle's doing Young tackle in his first start. Naturally, you want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then he decides to go leave. Uh, Keegan did to go help his tackle. That's normal because he felt like his center. He felt the pressure with his center, but the center left at the same time to go back to his right. And that's when the defender was let free. Now, on that play, J.J. delivered the football. He got rid of it. But, man, did he take a shot at the yeah. end of that one. And he also got hit from behind because there was a leaker over on the right side. I think Barnhart let somebody around the corner a little bit late and you get your quarterback drilled. We can't afford to get this quarterback drilled because no. we don't have any kind of experience depth there. And so those are the kind of things that need to be cleaned up. It's a mistake that that you would normally make in a season, but it's early and you don't make it again. Yeah. Now, Brad Forney, if you can bring up that question again, Hutch, he has a question for you. And this was my question. How much of this? And I wrote in my column yeah. a little bit of disinterest out there. Oh, and you're yeah. like, OK, especially yeah. after the Michigan State game, you're playing a team that's tied for last in the Big Ten East. Mm-hmm. And these guys are supposedly terrible. They've got a few players on defense and they're strong <laughs> defensively. But you go out there and you're just like, hey, you're thinking about your chicken sandwich, right? Let's this get is, in well, get out is- and get chicken sandwich. This is the indicator of the age of the players in college, right? Having been there, done that ourselves all those years ago, and 
and you're reading all the headlines. You just won two big games. You got Penn State, Michigan State. You went through a little bit of a of a red letter list there in your schedule. It's up on the wall in the team room there. And then the next one that shows up there is Rutgers. And it's like, all right, you know, Rutgers is terrible. They've been getting track meted all year long by everybody. So let's just go out there and take care of things. And the coaches are doing everything they can. They're saying the right things, but it's just absolutely normal. So the question is, how hard is it to get up for an opponent after playing a major rival? It's it is difficult. Because as a young person, you know, you're ranked high, the team's doing well, we're scoring a lot of points. You think, eh, it's Rutgers. Let's just go take care of this. We've all done it. If you played this game long enough, you all took an opponent lightly. And I think it's clear that Michigan did that. Um, and and I think that the, the trap was set. And so uh, Michigan hopefully will learn from that first half performance and uh, and realize that there are no easy victories anywhere in the Big Ten, certainly as you're ramping up to this big one here at the end of the season. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, now you talked about that young left tackle, uh, Jeffrey Percy. He went out there, and uh, JD22, we'll get to your question in a second, but uh, we got a chance to talk to him after the game. He said there were some butterflies there. Certainly yeah. looked a little bit leaky in the first half as well. Was it a technique thing? And I wanted to ask you, how much of this leakiness was guys that, you know, were they running any twists and games up there, or was were the guys just getting beat? I well, I I I and the pass protection. I felt like Percy there left. I thought he did a nice job in his first start. I really did. Yeah. They they were had they had to back him over and chip off of his left side and give him a little bit of help. And clearly, Keegan had eyeballs on him on his inside hip, which okay. is what that's exactly what you want. There were a couple plays where he got what I call he got left a little bit of a no man's land. He was way too high. What I mean by that is, as as an offensive line sinks back to create a nice pocket. You want a nice arc, right? But all yep. the hips and the arc of all your linemen from tackle over to tackle. And on one particular play, he got left way up too high and his guard is back way inside of his hip. When you don't have that proper relationship, your guard can't help you. You're in no man's land out there. And a young tackle in his first start, having done that myself more than once, I know exactly that kind of thing. You're just It's, it's just a matter of getting reps and practice is not the same. But I think all in all, Percy did a nice job there in his first start and left tackle in the Big Ten. Yeah, how about run blocking? Did he do okay there? And yeah, aspect? I felt like he did all right. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I didn't. I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, we can't do anything because of mm-hmm. this kid's in his first start. I I felt like he played a nice game in there, and and the effort was off the charts. It wasn't because the kid wasn't trying. He was flying around, playing with a high level of energy, trying to get after people. So all the indicators for me were good. I have no idea what he would have graded out at, and it clearly not perfect. But you know, mm-hmm. out of position on a couple plays. But uh, for a first start, I thought he did a nice job. And I think it was like six of eight or six of nine times now that they've had a different starting lineup combination out yeah. there. It's crazy. But I was watching the red zone plays again this morning. And uh, Gio Hadi, I thought, was getting some movement up front at times when he was in there. Uh, Trevor Keegan, by the way, is playing on a, on a bum ankle, it looks like. And you can tell. Like again, yep. Yeah, he, he was flipping yep. up the tunnel next to us. And and uh, you saw him on the sidelines. Fortunately, when he went into the, to the tent, guys, he came back out and was walking around. He looked OK. So when he was limping mm-hmm. up the tunnel, doesn't look like anything serious but could be a situation where uh, whoever thought we'd say this if you were talking you know 20 years ago hey they're just playing nebraska next week right so <laughs> as a 29 as a 29 point favorite so but, you know i i i think that el hadi could play in this game against nebraska yes. i think el hadi's done a nice job this year she too there at left guard and and another guy's promising young offensive lineman there so i wouldn't be surprised to see him make the start uh, Saturday against Nebraska, and I wouldn't have any concerns about that. No. All right. Well, so let's talk about what happened down there in the red zone. And I was fine with it. I'm like, don't do anything here. It's cute. Just run right at them. Uh, make them, you know, it doesn't matter how long it takes. You got four downs there inside the two. <laughs> and it took four both times, and they barely got over, but they got over. So They, they but, did. They got yeah. over, and Corum found the crease, and I, and right. I get that. And, Are these and, guys not getting low enough, Skeen, or what? Well, I, this is the thing. So yeah. if you go back, and I went back, got the old DVR, mm-hmm. I'm like, what? let's look at this from the from the get-go. Mm-hmm. If you look at Rutgers has got their defensive linemen, and their face masks down in their stances are about six to eight inches off the turf. And Michigan looks like we're in a somewhat normal three-point stance with our faces a little bit higher than theirs, right? So you got the Rutgers helmet here, the Michigan helmets here. Well, it's difficult to get down and root somebody out when you're starting off at a, at a probably a 10-inch deficit to get down there and, and grind somebody out of there. Now, I'm not criticizing Coach Moore's ability to coach offensive line here. I'm just saying from, from experience, if I know that uh, my head coach is saying, you guys get this thing in the end zone, 
I'm going to change my stance a little bit. I'm probably going to have some bend in my elbow. I'm going to have my head at least as high as his, and I'm going to get my face mask underneath that dude and drive him out of there because otherwise, if he gets – once that ball moves and those defensive linemen, especially in the middle, they're taught to just submarine and get in those A-gaps and cause speed bumps along the way and just create the human dog pile, right? And – and they they were doing that, and we weren't getting the leverage that we needed down in there, and it was over and over and over. And, of course, here comes the linebackers. The defensive line sets the pile by submarining, submarining into the gaps down around the, knee, the kneecap level, and then here come the, the linebackers because you can't get, as an offensive lineman, if you got guys in front of you down at your ankles, you can't get to a linebacker. And so the pressure was in Rutgers' favor. Now, I get it. I totally get it. I've been in those huddles on that sideline where the head coach says, you guys get this done. I'm calling this play. And uh, it's just a matter of technique and it's a matter of execution. And Michigan will get better at this. Um, it's tough to practice this thing because it's it's kind of nasty and it's difficult. And a lot of coaches don't want to do that kind of heavy hitting during the week. Those goal line situations. I, I don't know what Michigan does or doesn't does, does not do in practice. But at least last night in the game, we were not getting the push down inside the five-yard line than I've seen this Michigan offensive line get before. Yeah, and I think they will. And again, I think part of it's the opponent, and they're thinking, all right, well, you know what, Blake is bouncing off, guys. You can get that extra yard if we need him to or whatever. The one thing I don't want to see, and and I understand needing to be better as passing offense in the red zone. Like if you're in the 15-yard line or something like that, to have that fade, to have those, you know what, somebody leaking out or something like that. But at the two, yeah. when you're first and goal from the two, you run a sweep or something like that, you lose two or three yards. Then guess mm -hmm. what? Uh, you don't have the option of pounding it up in three more times. I'm old school. I want to see my fat guys beating their fat guys at the line of scrimmage. And if it takes four times, then damn it, it takes four times. Well, Ballas, the, the head coach doesn't say, I want my fat guys beating their fat guys. We call it big <laughs> on big. I want right. my big guys okay. beating up their big guys. Sorry, and we're going to drive it in the end zone. All right. Don't so have canceled. Okay. Only Penn State fans can, can call me fat guy in a yellow shirt and get away right. with it apparently so um, but it's the big guys ballast okay. it's the big guys up front that need to get yep. done and you're absolutely right this is Michigan's identity this is Michigan's offensive identity is the strength of our offensive line and down inside the five it should be no mystery to anybody that of what we're going to do and what we're going to try to do I don't think it helps that Michigan does not have a big imposing physical receiver to go to on mm -hmm. that big fade in the corner I don't know who that needs to be, but it needs to be somebody. Yeah. Uh, we have we have found a way to get some creative guys open in some what we should call it, rub routes, or uh, especially when they're man, you get a trips formation and two guys go out, one comes underneath. That's very yes. difficult for defenses to defend. It's all legal. Everybody in college football does it. But where is the play where you just line a dude up, you loft it up there, and my guy's going to get the rebound and we score yeah. a touchdown? We haven't seen a lot of that this year with Michigan, yeah. and I think that's part of our red zone problem and that we don't have that option. Yeah, we don't see that, honestly. Yeah, D original, I agree 100%. I think yeah, Nico D Collins was that guy, and they never went to him in that role either. I don't think that's something that Jim Harbaugh likes to do, frankly, because uh, we just have not seen it, even when they've yeah. had the guys to do it. Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh-uh. Uh, he wasn't the guy you wanted back there, but I think Nico Collins certainly could have been. I could even see it. I could even see it be the big tight end, right? Where you yeah, and, and it has been the big tight end. Right. I think I think a guy like Andrell, who you know, you don't have mm -hmm. to be the big. You don't have to be Calvin Johnson, right? You don't have to mm -hmm. be. But sometimes you throw a rebound ball up there and just go up and get it. Go throw it up in the back corner, up you know, in the corner of the pylon, and see who can get elevate and get to that ball. And I, Michigan clearly has athletes to do that, but it doesn't look like that's part of the plan. Obviously, his first and check, second and third choice is to jam this thing down in there. But sometimes that's awfully hard to do, and you need to have an option to make a defense think. Because right now it looks like everybody's loading up the box, submarining between the tackles and tight ends, and not all that worried about a threat to the corner or any kind of fade or anything like that. Did not like the handoff to the tight end either. Uh, Max Bredesen got the, uh, I'm, I'm thinking I had Will Carr flashbacks for people who were around in the 1990s and <laughs> was not uh, good. talk about, no, man, you know what? about, what? The, bowls uh, about, how about the bowl game against South Carolina? Wasn't it the yeah, bowl yeah. game Dallas? Where we, uh, I believe so. Yeah. Who was that tight end at that time? Had a tight uh, end. Yeah. And it was, uh, I think it was Sean McCune as a matter of never, fact. Never I lined up and we fought. And I don't think and... he even knew he was getting the ball. And I'm like, come on, man. You got a guy in Blake Corum out there who's got these, these legs that are about the size of a red cedar tree. And that's you, your uh, guy. 
that's your guy, man. Just yeah. and he doesn't fumble. So give him the damn ball. Yeah. Uh, don't be trying this trickery crap. Just give it to him and uh, and let him do his work. And he did it. Okay, so folks, five for six for seven, I believe in the seven for seven in the red zone. Six of them were touchdowns. We can continue to complain about the red zone stuff and that gee, it wasn't pretty. I don't care how pretty it is. Just get the job done. And and don't tell me either that. Well, that's not going to get it done against a better team. I've seen Ohio State's run defense. I saw Northwestern bullying them at yeah. times, even when they knew it was coming. When they're going against the wind and they're yeah. moving those guys, so you know what? It's not. It's not all about Rutgers. Has some guys out there too. Hey, number fifty-eight. I, I don't remember yes. his name. Number fifty-eight was giving mm-hmm. Keegan fits all night. Right. I don't. Right. That kid. That kid was playing hard and playing really well. And listen, you know, it's first and goal, and you're inside the five, and you get stuffed on the first one. Okay. Well, usually what happens is. The first one doesn't go well, and the coach calls another one, and that doesn't go well. Now it's like, okay, damn it, this is this is going to change here, and it's going right. to change now, and something's going to be different on the third attempt. It yeah. just didn't feel like, and that's the concern, right? Yes, we did score the touchdowns, we did we did put the points to the board that we wanted to, but it just felt like it took an extra play or two to do what we thought we yep. could do in one or two plays. Right, and in the second half, they were much better in firing off the ball. What was the difference, in your opinion? Number one, they had their attention. Number two, the defense gives them a spark, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Michael Barrett, outstanding yeah. game. Love that kid. Yeah. Just a great yeah. kid, and he's been around forever, and they weren't sure what his position was going to be. He's found his position, and he's great in coverage. Not only is he great in coverage, but to be able to catch the ball and make a move as a former quarterback, a little spin for a touchdown. Spin move, man. That was incredible. Sweet, right? That kid. Great move, great play. Yeah. The, diff- the difference is whatever was said at halftime, mm-hmm. From the coaches to the players or the players to other players, whatever happened in that locker room at halftime, Michigan clearly came out in the second half ready to play some freaking football and went out there and took care of business. Again, uh, it's easy for me to say or anybody else to say, well, they just weren't ready to play. It's certainly what it looked like to us, Dallas, because clearly we knew Michigan had more talent, more execution, more players, more ability, and it just took a half to get things going. Uh, the punt block was, you know, give credit to Rutgers. They ran a perfect little uh, end around Unreal. up the middle there, and and our and our and our up back just missed it. Just didn't uh-huh. see it back in there. Again, you know that that guy right there. That's just a matter of practice. But that dude in normal life doesn't see a whole lot of tackle, 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 end twists, which is basically what it was. Yeah. Um. You know, to slide, protect, and bump things off. So. Uh, they executed in that moment, and it was a big play. It changed the dynamic of the game for the rest of that first half until things you know, went our way in the second half. So, and that's what right. they do. Yeah, 67 blocks, I think, in 160-something games for Shiano at Rutgers. It's crazy. You yeah, know? it's, it's so. hey, why can't we do that? Let's let's do – you know, Michigan's done a pretty good special teams job there. Jay Harbaugh's done a nice job with special teams. Uh, I'd like to see us do some of that stuff. They've had why a is, few. Why is it why is it Rutgers the only one? Why is Rutgers leading in this statistic? We got better players than Rutgers. Because they can't do anything else. So they spend all their time <laughs> on punt blocks. So uh, especially the quarterback, and we'll get to him in a second. But uh, Cornelius Johnson's gotten there a couple times. And that kid, that punter, made it a little interesting back there when he was rolling out and uh, waiting until the last second to kick it. Yeah. It reminded me, Ballas, when I was coaching high school football, it reminded me that we played a team. I can't remember who it was, and we played a team. That's exactly what they did. The punter would receive the ball, and he would look back. He looked like he was running. He'd take off and head toward the first down marker, and as soon as a defender came up, he'd stick that ball up and punt it, and then our guy hits him, and here yeah. comes the 15-yard you know, roughing the passer. That Friday night when I was coaching, I was driving. My hair was coming out because first down after first down for roughing the punter. How do you how do you call that? He's a runner. You don't anymore. And then at I the split second the later, he's a punter. You can't touch him. Yep. And so that's a tough deal. But, you know, the kid's making a living doing it, so good for him. <laughs> Willowbrook, punter was the best running back they had, and that's probably <laughs> true. They had no running game, and we'll talk about the defensive line, too. we got a lot of things to get you to here. So, uh, yeah. But really, I thought the protection was better in the second half, too. Was it a matter of guys winning their one-on-ones? Because I saw Percy was out there on an island a few times and, and really handled his business. Yeah, too. I felt like, again, like I said, I think he did a nice job. I think the offensive line settled down and got going here and realized whatever was said at halftime, looking back, going, this is a bunch of BS. We're going to go out here and play Michigan football. And they just went out and did it in the second half. Everything tightened up and looked better. 
Yep. I want to talk about Donovan Edwards uh, and the, the carry he had 46 yard gain. To me, it's the patience. Okay. Now this is a kid who you could still see a couple of times. He's just trying to bounce it outside because he's, he's got that high school mentality that I'm going to outrun everybody, get to the sideline and make a big play when he could have instead gotten five, seven more yards going right up the gut. But on the one big play, you're sitting there and you're watching it and I'm waiting. I'm saying, okay, you know what? He's waiting. He's waiting. Opens up and boom, there he goes. But his patience, he's really starting to get it. Kind of like Blake Corum did last year in terms mm-hmm. of patience. And I got to give Mike Hart credit for that. Yeah, well, Coach Hart's been doing an outstanding job since he's taken over that running back room at Michigan. Um, more than anything, I think, in the ability of our backs to block people and passing downs has gone off the charts since Coach Hart took over. Um, but on that particular play, you're right. Donovan had the patience, and then he stuck his foot in the ground and made that move and instead of doing the old habit stuff that used to work and just try to outrun people, out-athlete people. And I think he's figuring out and, and almost all but figured out that doesn't work. He's got right. to do as he's coached, watch it, watch what Blake does there, and show a little patience, let that defender make a decision, and you go opposite. Let your lineman set up the block and take advantage of it. Or be patient enough to see a lineman. You know, if I'm looking at a if I'm looking at a, a, a defender, and you know you've got a pulling lineman or a blocker coming from this way, to give it the patience without taking your eye off that defender. But you got to trust that you're going to see that flash of blue come up there and take that guy, and then you make your break off of him. These things take time, and they take a lot of reps to have full trust and belief in it. And you're seeing Edwards take advantage of that and start to understand it fully. And by the way, he might just be the best damn receiver on the team, too. This kid's he's, he's good out there, isn't he? And he is. He's good. When they put a linebacker on him, it's like, we should just throw there all the time. Yeah. You know, now, there was a play. A, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it, when, they, when they do that and they put a guy out there, and then when there was one safety that was out yes. there on him, that's a mismatch, too. Yeah. You know, Donovan's a big, strong guy. And so uh, that's obviously a weapon Michigan's going to take advantage of. And then as the season here ends, it's a regular season. We'll see more of that. Yeah, I want to talk about J.J. McCarthy, too, in the second half, because for the beating he took in the first half, you know what? Jim Harbaugh said he doesn't flinch. He doesn't get rattled. He, I thought he was rattled a little bit. I thought you could tell. And he was forcing some things into the double coverage. There was one time that uh, you had Edwards open on a wheel route, and he was wide open. There was nobody over there. And I think that was something that he could have seen at the snap. Everybody says, well, he didn't get a chance to go into his progressions, but he throws into double coverage to Ronnie Bell. So, But that's well, kind of a, resi- a residual, isn't it? Like you Dallas, always say. Like I always yeah. tell you if you get your quarterback not sacked i'm not talking about mm-hmm. sacks if you get your quarterback hit drilled smashed pressured bumped early in the football game first and second quarter it changes the way they think for the, certainly the next series or two so if, if i get my quarterback hit or drilled like we saw jj last night in the first part of that football game it's going to take two or three possessions for him to be clean to start to not worrying about protection. And those are the negatives of allowing your quarterback to get smashed even after he delivers a catchable football. You can't let anybody touch him because it changes him back there and not in a good way. Yeah, but he comes out in the second half and shows the courage, made some great throws. In fact, he should have been, he's 13 to 27 for 151, probably should have been about 20 of 27 for about 250 with the drops that he had. I thought Anthony could have caught that ball, still the one that yeah. went deep off. And Marion Walker down the sideline had one, I thought, true yep. freshman go through his hands a little bit. So they need better from that position group to beat the better teams on the schedule, in my opinion. Those are the, the plays that you have to make to beat an Ohio State on the road to beat a, you know, compete with a Georgia in the playoff if you get there. Yes, absolutely. So I think that's maybe the missing link. Is it the missing link in this Michigan offense is a a wide receiver group that's going to be a little bit better at getting open, a little bit better at at catching the contested balls, a little bit stronger hands to not let a ball get knocked out after you're bringing it in toward your chest to secure it. That is the difference Uh, because I think, I think, you know, again, I'm not questioning JJ's toughness at all. Obviously he took the shots and stood in there. But you got to reward the guy. If he's going to stand in there and take some bullets on a Saturday night, mm-hmm. um, you better catch the football when he gets it out in your hands. Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, real quick on the defense, these guys against the run have been outstanding. They've gotten better and better. But there was one play that stood out to me, and it was Chris Jenkins reading the screen. And did you, do oh, you remember yeah. that play? That's all the play, and yeah. <laughs> I, you know, the one thing that I was going through my mind was when he stopped on a dime. Did yes, I did. I said, 
He smells a rat. He smelled the rat. <laughs> he smelled the rat. I said, Skeen's going to say he smelled the rat. And sure enough, he no stops doubt. on a dime. And he gets back there and he makes that play. That dude is playing some unbelievable football right yes, now. Yes, I love it. I, and so I'm glad you said that because I saw yeah. the thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, he smelled the rat and turned around and yep. made the play. And that's just perfect by that kid. He's playing great, Ballas. And uh, boy, I was just, you know, you always see him just always running, always moving. Even after a play is over, he's running back to get to the, you know, where the official puts the ball down to get back to the huddle or he's running yep. off the field and he's always moving a high energy guy. He's playing great football. That was fun to see. He smelled the rat. It's a deal, you, no, you, you can't go back from this. Now you're going to be able to see this. No, yep. I see it. In my, I see it in my sleep scheme. So, and Mozzie Smith does not get the credit he deserves for being that guy in the middle that, I mean, he, he talks about the run while Jim Harbaugh does Michigan coach and Mozzie Smith is a big part of that. He's the anchor oh. of that run wall. He's been outstanding. Yes. And Mozzie's been the anchor all year. There's no doubt. That's not, that's not underselling in, in anything. I think Mozzie has done an outstanding job in the middle there. And it goes back to, Coming into this season, he's gotten himself into the best shape of his life. And look at what he can do now. I mean, that dude is playing outstanding football, and he's getting his licks on opposing quarterbacks. He's imposing his will in there and causing problems for a center and two guards. He's getting double teamed all the time and still finding a way to have an impact on the opponent. I think Mozzie's having a great year, and it's fun to watch because you can also see the benefit of him having a great year because Junior Colson and the other linebackers in the middle there have room to run because when you got a dude like Mozzie to deal with, it's hard to handle him and go up and get to a linebacker when your hands are full with a guy you can't move. Yeah, Adam Shepardson said Julius Welskoff in a backup role played pretty well. He did late in the game. Cam Good had a tackle for loss. The guy who, uh, you know what, Taylor Upshaw played a good game. And there, he didn't make a ton of tackles, but he was in there and around the ball, really held the edge very well. I think they finished with 18 yards rushing, and uh, I think their gross was 32. So it was uh, very impressive what they were able to do. Now, let's be yeah. honest here. This is the probably the worst rushing attack that they will have played all year. I really thought that no. they would. No, 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 no. Oh, the I'm three sorry. teams they played. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Were terrible. Yes, right? they were. Yeah. But these guys, they were without their number one running back. And I really thought they might try to run their quarterback a little bit more. He's a dual threat, the number one dual threat coming out of high school, Gavin Wimsett. And yeah. uh, they really confused him, I thought, in the second half. And what a job by Mike Barrett. But uh, really, it was only a matter of time. That kid was not going to beat him with beat them with his arm. They tried anyway, and that was the difference in the ballgame. Yeah, you know, good young-looking quarterback there for sure for Rutgers and got a lot of growing to do and probably will get more comfortable as time goes by as to when to pull that thing down and run uh, and do the opposite. But uh, it's not surprising he made the mistakes he made. I think that, you know, you can see the coaching. If you're watching the game on television, Coach Giano there is being very patient with him after he makes the critical mistakes. So, you know, obviously Shiano has, has had success at Rutgers and success does not look like Big Ten championships, but a team that you have to be very aware of. And it looks like he's doing the same thing again. He's got a young guy in there that's uh, learning on the run and uh, we'll figure things out. I don't know that he's got the I don't know, Ballas, maybe he's you know, he's got some physical growing to do. He looks a little frail in there as a young guy. He's got some yep. growing to fill out that skeleton of his. But uh, I think you watch, keep an eye on that kid. He's probably going to be a fine player here in the next couple of years for Rutgers. Yeah, Will Johnson with a big interception. And yeah, that, that was kid. kind of the result. Yeah. yeah that was results. Yeah. yeah. Dion's kid's coming on pretty good he here. He's, he's looking really good out there. And in the confidence level, I think you're going to see him be the feature corner here not in the not-too-distant future for Michigan. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's kind of like Charles Woodson ascended in his freshman year, and then we saw what he did against Ohio State as a true freshman with a couple picks uh, and a big win. But they Jim Harbaugh challenged them. He said, when they're throwing those 50-50 balls on you, because that's what a lot of these offenses are doing now if they have no other choice, if they understand. Michigan State tried it, too, with some yeah. success before they made their adjustments. But he said, man, your, your eyes should be – lighten up and you have an opportunity on those 50 50 balls not just to break it up but you know what pick it off just, and that's exactly what will johnson did uh, and really the return man you saw that five-star talent that kid <laughs> that kid's gonna be a player so he's, with jermon green on the on the bench he really yeah. stepped up yeah no he's he's he is a player ballast i think mm -hmm. he's just going to continue to gain altitude in his game uh you know we we talk about you know when these kids come out of high school and they have all the five-star talent and we have this we have that uh you know, the, this guy and, and JJ is another one. And there's a long list at Michigan that we can point to. But it's exciting to see a guy who's, you know, in the early parts of his career 
you certainly understand why he got the the uh, you know the the accolades that he did coming in as a freshman. He's a special player, and I think you're going to see some super exciting stuff out of this dude here. Uh, but even before this season ends, and and obviously peaking into next year, this kid's got all American written all over him. Yeah, I know you're probably going to disagree with me, but I like the turnover buffs thing where they put the glasses on the side. Yeah, what's the deal with that? I, I I didn't get the memo on you. that. They're rushing, they're running for the the the, the sideline to put the glasses on. Whose glasses yeah, yeah. are they? Somebody that bought them in the off season. I think it, somebody's <laughs> uncle gave them to somebody. But you it know what? Like, it looks, I get it. It looks hilarious. Yeah, it does. But you know what? You can't celebrate on the field anymore, or you can, depending on who's the official. Some of the stuff I saw in the SEC games, you know, guys were taking pretend pictures and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> where's the flag, man? You know, what? remember the Indiana game when uh, they got a couple flags there for celebrating? But they go to the, the sidelines and these kids, you can tell how much they love each other and you can oh, sense yeah. it. So they're over there taking their pictures and everything else. And uh, you know what? Wearing the, the turnover, the turnover buffs, as they're called. They got even have T-shirts now. Uh, they're having a little bit of fun with it and i'm okay with it man you know what it is what it is i know it's all business but you get over there these kids have a right to, to have a little bit of fun over there as well yeah i, I don't have a problem with that it looks like Are you sure it, it, uh, i do not bow okay no, I, i'm saying right. i didn't get the memo on that i think right. it's cool i just didn't yeah. understand because yeah. is it the same set of sunglasses every it time is. or does it rotate yes it is all right so some some, some coaches carrying these things in his pocket yeah and he's got them on hand but oh, wow i mean these dudes when the play is over yeah. Uh, they are sprinting they to can't the sideline, and they I love can't. it. <laughs> so that's, yes. I mean, that's that's awesome. Of course, it, it is. is. Awesome. I'm yeah. excited for them. They have some fun with it. You know, it's appropriate, and they're having a good time. And I think that absolutely the most important thing is you can see the smiles on their faces and how much enjoy their enjoyment they're having with each other. Yeah, you can't put a price on that ballast. You cannot underestimate how important that is for those guys to demonstrate that love and and fun yeah. having football time together. Yeah. It means a lot. Will Johnson did buy the buffs. I knew it was somebody. I thought he said he got it from his <laughs> uncle. But I love it. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think they're real expensive buffs, man. They might be gas station buffs, but yeah, uh, I was going to say probably not. You know, you know, two hundred dollars sunglasses. Right. And, you know, however, beat up. <laughs> but it was so cool, man, uh, to see that and and to for, to listen to the teammates talk about how happy they were for Mike Barrett. You could see some of these guys were welling up, man. Uh, yeah. This this team has a feel. This is a '90s feel, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Skiing in the buffs, I can see that working out. I got, well, hey, right. I got some decent shades. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I never, I never his, intercepted a ball though. Yeah, he keeps him on his yacht. So, by the way, Aiden Hutchinson with a pick today for the Lions in a win. I saw that. So, yeah. So we'll talk about that in a second. But, um, but listening to them talk, this this really does have a '90s feel. Remember, I told you how they were talking about the '90s depth. Well. I know that you and Chris Hutchinson were talking about, okay, when Aiden was there, this is not the Michigan that we knew. It's just different in, in so many different ways. However, the culture is back to where it needed to be, and you can just sense it again, the pride for playing for Michigan. You don't have guys thinking about opting out. You don't have guys you know, worried that, you know, yeah, there's some concern that they're not catching balls and, and what's my role in the offense. But more than anything, they want to win and they're playing for each other. The culture is intact. you got to give credit to Jim Harbaugh for what he did coming back from that 2020 season. No doubt. Jim Harbaugh and the staff going back to last year's team and last year's Big Ten championship team. Uh, it is clearly carried over. It, it appears from us outsiders looking in, these guys are out for each other, having fun playing with each other. The eyeballs are on their coaches. You watch that, Bows, when a kid comes off the field after after making a mistake or, or maybe not making the play he wanted to make. Is he looking his coach in the eye? Is he taking coaching? The answers are all yes. And then when good things happen, they're having fun together. The coaches, the players, the players and the players, everybody's happy having a good time. And, and what's interesting to me is when you see a guy make a play, it doesn't matter who it is, touchdown or interception, big tackle, the television when you're watching it often follows him as he walks down the sideline to wherever he's mm -hmm. going to have a seat. And it's not unusual to see his his other 10 teammates on the field congratulate him and, and you know give him all kinds of love. But when, when the Michigan kid does it, as he goes down that sideline, you see all the other guys, offensive guys, backups, the whole roster – congratulating him and it's not just a casual thing a lot of these young men from michigan truly appreciate the guy that is not in their position group and they're and they're locking eyeballs and there's smiles there too these are the tiny little indicators that this team is together that these guys do like each other and now you got something special this is you know makes me think about our teams uh, as much as we had fun beating up on each other on in practice um 
offensive line, defensive backs and offense and defensive guys in general, having fun celebrating together, having each other's back when, when things aren't going so great. This is the special sauce that I've talked about over the years that you have to have to have championship seasons. And you need great players. Obviously, you need great coaches. Jesse Minner, the job that he's done in the second halves of games. And we can talk about the offense, too, but three points in the last four games. Uh, this guy has been outstanding. And taking over from Mike McDonald, everybody's like, well, look what he did at Vanderbilt. And I'm saying, look, he's going to run a completely different scheme. You you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit type of thing, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to have some players. I mean, if you go on Madden or whatever back in the day, you know what? And you've got a team full of 60s. You know what? That can't move. You're going to get beat. So that's just <laughs> well, the way it goes. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is. Right, this was set up. Coach Harbaugh, Coach McDonald was back to the NFL or the Ravens, and he went out and found a guy who understands the same thing. But he's got to plug his personality in too. So mm -hmm. just understanding the X's and O's is only part of it. The players have to respond to his coaching, and clearly they have, which is a testament to coach. Yeah, and and Klinkscale too. Steve Klinkscale, the co-coordinator, was uh, yeah, uh, McGee, Mike Mike G. Yep, uh, dropping linebackers in the short half. You know what? And the game plan that they had for Ohio State last year from McDonald. You know what? You're seeing a, a, a typically a similar type of mentality, but from that mentor has that McDonald has, where it's not just solve your problems with aggression and blitz, blitz, blitz. It's mix it up. Uh, and we've seen other teams do that against C.J. Stroud and Ohio State. And we're going to talk about them now. We're going to switch to the Big Ten here and some of the things that we saw this weekend. And uh, I get that. You know what? I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff. And it was Paul Feinbaum that said, man, I heard that it was they were lucky to get the game in in, in Northwestern because there were 50-mile-an-hour winds and rain. And I'm thinking, dude, you know what? That's called football weather. And one of their radio guys, Skeen, actually went on there and he said, all games should be played in domed stadiums so that you can really tell who the best team is. And I wanted to get your response to that. Wait, wait, wait. Who, who said that? Who said uh, what, that? I, it was some Buckeye. I think it was one of their radio radio analysts or one yeah, of their radio That guys. dude cannot be an old school Buckeye fan. Right? No, no Buckeye fan that I know worth his salt would agree with that point of view. That's got to be some younger dude who don't understand don't the history of Ohio State football. But come on, right? no way. I don't believe that. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll find it. That. Oh, oh, old school, all the Buckeye fans that I know, man, they, they bleed the same kind of mentality we do. They remember the old grinding football and the and, – and it's always been the recipe for them. Even the last 20 years, they may they may run out of different formations, but then when they still drop 200 yards of rushing on someone, it still counts as a rushing stat. So uh, I don't I don't think that's the case, obviously. And, and I don't I don't think Ohio State's going to care where we line up and play them this year. We could do it in the tunnel. We can do it in the field. We can go. <laughs> we can Brad. go. Brad. Yeah, there yeah. are some Buckeye fans worth salt. Yes, Brad. I know. About, I know. About four. <laughs> yeah. About four. However, uh, they are getting a little bit. Uh, you know what you want to say finesse and everybody talks about soft and everything else. And you know what the, the body language out there on Saturday watching that, did you watch that Northwestern game? I, I did not ballast. Okay. I'm shaking my head because listen, I've seen this movie before. I get it. You think that Mi Michigan went out against Rutgers and looked like a little bit flat footed, like, yeah, it's Rutgers. Mm -hmm. You don't think the Buckeyes did the same thing against Northwestern? Eh, a little Northwestern. bit. Okay. But in the second half, Northwestern's still running it at them into the wind and they're having some success. They aren't throwing the ball at all. And uh, you know what? They were winning the lines of scrimmage. So it's going to be very interesting to see for me to see how it goes early in that game. I am not impressed with the Ohio State running game. In fact, this Ohio State team looks a lot like last year's Ohio State team, which is really good at the same time. When it came time against Michigan, where they really had to match up in the trenches, they did not. So, yes, they're going to be jacked up for that game. But what I guess I'm saying here is that I don't think Michigan's going to go in there intimidated. Now, that Michigan's not going to go in there intimidated for sure. Mm -hmm. But do not fall for the red Kool-Aid here, Ballas, thinking that these teams that Ohio State is playing here leading up to our matchup are any indicator as to how Ohio State is going to perform against us. Remember, was mm -hmm. it? Uh, uh, the revenge tour season when, when Ohio oh, state looked like a lethargic pile of junk against Maryland, mm -hmm. uh, and probably should have lost that game or very well yes. could have had the dude just not caught the or could, dude caught the, uh, the two point conversion. Yep. Uh, and then Ohio state destroys us a week later and looked like we had, we didn't belong on the same field with them. So don't fall for this ballast. Ohio state mm -hmm. will be ready to go. And yes, no, we're not going to be intimidated. 
we're going to go in there and win this football game in our minds for sure. That's the way you have to play this game. But don't let any of these indicators, just like Ohio State's not going to go, ooh, Michigan didn't look all that good against Rutgers. We're probably going to destroy them. It, it goes both ways. It's not how no. this rivalry works. And that is not what I'm saying I'm because I understand the transitive property does not work in sports. I'm just talking about matchups. And when I see Penn State and Northwestern run the ball – on Ohio State, uh, they, they had no business doing that. Frankly, well, that's, Penn, Penn State had 500 answer. yards, right? Penn yeah. State had 500 yards on them. That's okay? going to be the so, answer. It's right. going to be the answer for us to, to match up. We'll talk about it as we get yes. there, obviously. But you want to beat Ohio State? Keep C.J. Stroud and those wide receivers in the sideline and run the football for six to eight minutes at a time, right. 14, uh, you know, 12, 14, 15 play drives, and punch it in the end zone. At, at Columbus, that's how you win that game down there. It's due. They are due. It's uh, been since 2000 since they won down there, which is crazy, which is ridiculous. So uh, I think there's a very good chance that that could happen. So Ohio State still ahead of Michigan in the uh, CFP rankings. You know what? And the AP rankings doesn't mean a damn thing, does it? Doesn't matter. It's fine. No. As long as as long as they win, as long as we win, it doesn't matter whether they're ahead of us or not. We win the game. And who cares? It doesn't matter. Right. Yep. And there is still a chance if Michigan loses that game that they can be in the playoff because of everything that happened on Saturday. Alabama gets their second loss. They're essentially out of it. LSU, though, with two losses, say they were to upset Georgia in the championship game. Does a two loss SEC champion go to the playoff? This is why it needs to be expanded. It is kind of a a crap show right now. Well, I I personally do not believe that the Big Ten is going to get that luxury. Uh, I think that ten, it's going to be Tennessee and Georgia is going to be, oh, well, it was a close game, although it sounds like Georgia Wasn't. handled them pretty well. I was listening to that radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so you know, it doesn't it doesn't appear as though, but I, I'll believe it when I see it the year a Big Ten team in this current format right. gets two teams in. Uh, even if even if this game is tight down here in Columbus and it's a one possession victory for either side, I don't think the, the playoff people are going to let two of them in. Yeah, well, we'll see, depending on what happens. There's still a lot of football to be played, and maybe they don't have a choice. Maybe there are four teams with one loss, and you got a bunch of teams with two losses. We've seen that before. In fact, I go back to 2003 when Michigan had two losses, and they moved up to, I think, number six or number five before they played USC in the Rose Bowl because everybody was losing. And there are a lot of games against good teams still to be played, so that'll be very interesting. Um, Illinois, you know what? I was thinking, man, maybe they're they're terrible. They're, they're flat out. They couldn't yeah. do a damn thing. And you give Michigan State credit for coming out, but you know what? Maybe some of those turds that that got flushed. Uh, uh, I, all right, that's probably the wrong way to. That's the wrong you way to say take it. that back. You cannot say that. I didn't mean it that way. I just meant some of the egos that uh, you know what. Maybe there was a bad mix there. Let's put it that way. So some of the guys that didn't play give way to some guys who maybe care a little bit more. And Michigan State came to play. Give them credit. You got to give them credit for going out there and beating a team that uh, obviously was favored to win on the road in their stadium. I, I just wonder. I, I have no idea, but I, I didn't see the game. But I wonder, did Illinois think, eh, it's Michigan State. They're not that good this year. Again, these are college college age guys that that you know read everything that's said about them. And Illinois is getting a lot of love. And either way, Michigan State deserves the credit for going down there and knocking them off. Sounds like they played a good, tough game. The defense made some plays. And so, uh, again, I'll, I'll give credit to uh, Coach Tucker for getting his team together after the mess coming out of the tunnel in Ann Arbor there and all the distractions they had all week. So that team rallied, went on the road, and got a victory. So that's, you know, good for them. They got it done. Yeah, and Illinois looked terrible, and they looked one-dimensional. There was windy there. That is not a team that is going to come into Ann Arbor and beat Michigan. I think they'll have their attention. Neither is Nebraska, which is terrible. So you've got two games here to really – you know, heal up. And what do you do with a guy like Blake Corum though? There's been talk that, Hey, he's not going to get his 25 carries. Here's a guy that is legit in the Heisman trophy mix, but he's got all these carries. Do you rest him a little bit? Do you split a little bit, little bit more time with Donovan Edwards or what do you do? This kid took a lot of shots on Saturday, even on Saturday Slight, night. Slightly, but you don't take him out mm-hmm. of his rhythm. You got, mm-hmm. you got like in, in the, what the NHL, uh, you got a hot goalie. You don't take him out. You don't, you don't do that. I'm not a believer in that. Now, Blake has has developed his body and his game, and he's in a rhythm here. Yeah, he's getting a lot of carries, but you don't see any signs of him slowing down. You gotta you gotta let the horses run, Ballas. So, if he's averaging whatever carries per game, that should 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 stay the same leading up. I don't think you sit him down because right now he's used to the flashes of color. He's used to the timing. He's used to the pace of this offense. You gotta keep him going. I don't think you take him down. 
Yeah, I don't think so either. So, and I think you'll see him play, and he's going to want to play because that's the kind of the kind of kid he is. And the shelf life of a running back, as we know, uh, what are these guys going through at this point in the year? I mean, everybody's playing with bumps and bruises. What's the mentality? Is it let's get through this to Ohio State? Is it hey, you're still enjoying playing football out there, or what's going on in practice? Having a great time right now. Yeah. You're you're having a great time because your seasons, you've done everything you've wanted to do. And yeah, everybody's beat up and, and bumpy and bruisy, and that's standard issue for the middle of November. Um, but you're peeking over the horizon a little bit. Again, in that team room, you've got your schedule, and you've got all those games listed. There's only three left, and you know the one at the bottom in red letters is uh, the most important one uh, and, until you get beyond that. Uh, but right now, I, I think this Michigan team, after watching this film and that first half, that that hopefully would have been their hey there there's nothing easy from this this part this far in we got a special season going here our goals are all out there in front of us and this is what these players are saying to each other and let's go to work it's not yeah. about the, it's not about the scoreboard it's about what I'm about to do next and taking yeah. care of themselves and getting the rest they need the nutrition everything they need now to go down the stretch uh, this is the time for Michigan to ascend into the end of the season instead of just, you know, getting there and getting through the finish line. It's championship teams ascend toward the end of their season. And this is where I think Michigan's going to go. Yeah, I do too. And you're going to have a couple of undefeated teams playing in Columbus here in a couple of weeks. This is unbelievable. And this is what, again, that feeling where, uh, you know, it was 10 years ago where you just were like, we were road tripping places and it's like, let's get this over with. Uh, you know, I'm done watching crappy football. This is not Michigan football. <laughs> I wrote that in a column. You know, this is not the Michigan, you know, this is not Michigan is no longer Michigan or something like that is what I wrote. This Michigan is Michigan. So fans enjoy it. We still have some guys on the message boards that are like, we actually had a post that uh, Jim Harbaugh, like I think just at halftime or just after that Jim Harbaugh is the reason that Michigan will never be a lead or something like that. I'm like, dude, you're going through the best two year stretch that you've had in 50 years. And you're sitting there complaining about what you're seeing on a football field uh, from a team that is absolutely, <laughs> that has had one game within a one score this all year. So try to enjoy it, folks. Come on, yeah. man. Right. Well, it's a goal. I, I think I think as fans, you know, we 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 roll in that through that September, and you're scoring 50 points a game, and then you, you know, I don't I don't know how much tolerance us Michigan fans have these days for mistakes, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, you know, not scoring at ease inside the 10 yard line, and we think, oh, we should just be crushing everybody because uh, you know this, that, or the other. I don't, I don't put a lot of weight into folks that say that, you know, this, this, this coach is the reason that we're not, you know, even better than we already are. I, I, I think that, that, that Jim obviously in the last two years has found the magic mix of his personal intensity that we used to see before that was at the 2016, 17 yes. Ohio state game where he lost his mind uh, and was going berserk on the sideline, everything else. And then he dialed it back and it felt like, boy, what happened to our coach? It looks like there's a nice mix of it nowadays, Ballas, and whatever happened, again, going into last year's season, um, this is the formula. This is what's working. The players are responding to this, so just keep it on this path, Coach Harbaugh and his staff, which is obviously what they're going to do, and then you get into these big games, and it's all about execution, Ballas. Yep. It is sure not is. a magical formula. you just got to go out, and you got to execute in the biggest of moments, and, and that's where the mental toughness uh, comes down. And you gotta you gotta show it in 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 that day down there in Columbus, and not be freaked out by the noise that's down there and everything else. Then you just gotta go out, put your feet where they belong, put your eyeballs where they belong, and make it happen. Yep, and those old ladies that are beating you over the head with umbrellas and giving you the bird. So <laughs> uh, as you as you approach in the bus, so park the tanks, as Bo would say, it's gonna be fun. He's Doug Skeen, Michigan's former All Big Ten offensive lineman Skeen. I appreciate it, and uh, have a good t have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, go blue.